Good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Uncanny Inn. Room 6 hosts the following stories. My brother is the favorite child, by Reddit user Vaxio Kids, Vaxio Wife, followed by Found You, by Theo Omar, who can be found on somethingwicked.com. My brother Andy and I are identical twins. Well, we were supposed to be. Something went wrong when he was born, and for as long as I've known him, he's never been able to move. At all. He sits in a wheelchair all day, staring into space like he's just zoning out for a second. But he's not. The doctors say he hears and understands everything. He's my mom's entire life. As soon as I was old enough to use the microwave by myself, I was completely ignored. I learned how to cook, how to ride a bike, how to take a bus, all by myself. She's just too busy with him. You understand, don't you, Jonathan? She always says. I need to clean him. I need to take him to one of his appointments. I need to run his feeding tube. I need to go to work so we can afford better equipment for him. There's always an excuse. So I go and play with my friends from school, and their moms are nice to me. They have dads, too, who didn't disappear after they were born. Sometimes their dads will throw a ball around with us. I never really understood why my mom worked so hard for my brother. He never responded to anything, except maybe blinking yes and no. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to talk to him. Tell him about my day. Give him a chance to answer. He doesn't. It's really boring. So I stopped talking to him as much. I didn't really hate him then. I was just bitter and lonely and liked to pretend my friends were my brothers instead. Things changed five years ago when I was eight. Mom and Andy came home from one of the doctor's appointments. My mom had a weird look on her face and she sat me down and talked to me just one-on-one, for the first time in a while. At first, she was just asking normal things, like how I was, what my friends' names were, how I liked school. In minutes, I was jabbering away, telling her my entire life story because I never got this time alone with her. I was so excited. Then she dropped the bomb. Jonathan, one of Andy's doctors has a very interesting machine he'd like to try on Andy but we need your help. Would you help me and your brother? I was in such a good mood, of course I said yes. We went to a clinic, and the lady at the front desk directed us straight to the basement. I'd never been in a doctor's basement before. It looked straight out of a sci-fi movie. Big roaring devices, cables, flashing lights, screens with x-rays and other brain pictures I couldn't identify. It was almost a little bit scary. But the doctor was nice. He sat me in a chair and put a bunch of stickers all over my head. He told me that it wouldn't hurt one bit. He was right. In fact, not only did it not hurt, I didn't think anything had happened at all. The only clue was the fact that everyone was wearing different clothes, and my mom was crying. Did it help Andy? I asked her. She kissed me on the head. Yes, it did. So much. 
Satisfied, I smiled at my brother. Obviously, he didn't smile back, but I got the strangest feeling of dread when he stared at me. We went back multiple times. Each time, it seemed, full days had passed without me realizing it. My friends would tell me I'd been acting differently. My mom suddenly knew all these things about Andy she couldn't possibly know. Like what his favorite color was? She started only buying him green shirts. And what he wanted to be when he grew up. She would show him videos about painting. I don't know why. How was he going to paint? Even as a little kid, I started to figure out what was going on. Andy was sharing my body. And while he was in control, it was like I was asleep. I'd just wake up without knowing anything about what he'd done as me. I became the only person who had never met my brother. Even though he shared a house with me and spent most of his time gazing at me with greed in his eyes. The memory gaps grew longer and longer. My mom doted on Andy more and more. I started marking days in a secret calendar I didn't tell anyone about. Not even when mom did her sneaky interrogations to try and find out things Andy should know about my life. The first time she let him keep my body for a week, I stopped talking to her entirely. Then she let him keep my body for a month, and I blew up. You can't do this. My friends barely talk to me anymore. I don't even know what's going on in school half the time. You guys keep going places without me, and I just keep getting worse at soccer because he doesn't practice. I don't like it, and I don't want to share anymore. My mother gave me a long, thoughtful look. Okay, Jonathan. Let's do this one more time. Andy really wanted to try swimming, just once. You can let him try it once, can't you, Jonathan? For the last time, I go by Johnny, I grumbled. Will you promise to call me that? Of course, sweetheart. Whatever you want. Then fine. Just one more time. And only for a day. The next time I woke up, I was back in my room. My brother was in his wheelchair as usual. But he looked very, very different. And when I looked in the mirror, so did I. I was taller. They were small, fine hairs on my upper lip. I had pimples. I ran to my calendar, made a note of the last date I had marked, and then checked my family calendar. Three years. Three years had passed. I refused to believe this. Even though it was now fall outside, and when I had gone to sleep, it had been the beginning of summer. Even though my bedsheets and blankets had changed to something less childish. Even though my room was covered in stupid paintings that barely looked like anything. When it did finally hit me, I cried. I cried for a long, long time. I had lost so much of my life. I was a 10-year-old in a 13-year-old's body. My mom had allowed this, wanted it even. Had anyone noticed that I was gone? My sobbing calmed into sniffles when I realized Andy had not blinked in over an hour. Actually, his eyes were kind of glassy, and even more unfocused than usual. When I poked at him, he was kind of cold, and he didn't react by looking at me. 
Andy, I'm home. I heard my mother yell from downstairs as the front door shut behind her. Come downstairs, I'll make you a snack. A feeling I'd never really experienced bubbled up inside my chest. It was white hot and ice cold at the same time, and it made my mother's voice sound like the devil talking. My face turned as expressionless as Andy's, but I did what she asked. I went downstairs. Hello, sweetheart, my mother greeted, kissing my forehead. How was your day? My day? I don't know. I don't even know what my year was like thanks to her. Fine. I managed to grunt. I have to tell you some worrying news, dear. The cardiologist called, and he said the test showed that the other body might be having something wrong with its heart. We're going to take your old body in to see him again, maybe tomorrow. I know it's tedious, darling, but we wouldn't want anything to happen to it. I stayed silent. What she took is me being mad. Don't sulk, dear. It's necessary to keep you alive. You know that. Yeah. I answered. I knew that when she went upstairs, she would find the old body, as I had found it. I want a snack. Alright, go get a plate from the cupboard. I did get the plate, but what also caught my eye was a large shiny knife with a jagged edge. Hey mom, I called casually while she busied herself at the stove. Whatever she was cooking didn't smell appetizing. Or maybe it did to Andy. Do you think we should ever give Johnny the chance to wake up again? See what he's missed? She tusked. Oh no, darling, it's been far too long. He would just be confused. It's much better this way. Still, that's such a kind thought for you. She paused in the middle of stirring. Did you call him Johnny? The next sound out of her mouth was a scream as I plunged the knife into her back. Then I pulled it out and did it again. Andy's dead. I told her, enjoying every minute of it. And Johnny is never going away, ever again. For now, I live with two corpses in my house. They're starting to smell, so I might bury them in the back garden. But other than that, I'm okay. I know how to take care of myself. I read her text again. Come over now, it said, with an address. I glanced at my wife. She was already fast asleep. I never thought that someday I'd become a cheater. I loved my wife, but somewhere along the line we grew distant. Serena was a breath of fresh air in so many ways. She was so impulsive, so vivacious and full of life. She's also married, and just like me, She'd grown apart from her spouse. Worse than that, her husband had severe anger issues. She said she was terrified of him more than once. I know that this is wrong, and I've been trying to stop. Hurry, I'm waiting, she texted. Reluctantly, I got dressed. I'm going to end this, but she deserves to hear why in person. I noticed she picked a place much farther than our usual motel. She's well known in town, so it makes sense. But this was even farther than usual. I decided to look it up on my phone, and it wasn't a motel at all. It was a cabin alone in the woods. Did you rent us a cabin? You know I have to be back home tonight, I texted. 
She didn't give an answer, she just texted back, the door is open, I'll be inside. After fighting with myself internally, I ended up taking the coward's way out. I sent her a long text that I couldn't do this anymore, turned my car around, and drove back. The next morning, I heard my wife get ready for work and leave at 5am. I work from home, so I didn't get out of bed, but I turned on the TV. There was a story about a horrible murder last night, and I audibly gasped as I saw Serena's face flash onto the screen. My fingers trembled as I turned up the volume. The reporter stated that she was severely beaten, and her body was found with over two dozen stab wounds. I began to weep, believing this to be my fault. She left the door open for me. I never came and some psycho came in and killed her. I cried. Downstairs, I heard the front door slam open loudly. I assumed my wife had forgotten something and had came back. I could hear the footsteps coming up the stairs. The reporter continued that due to the condition of the body, they suspect she'd been murdered a week ago. I shook my head checking my phone. She was texting me last night. How could she have died a week ago? Just then a new text popped up from Serena's number. Found you, it said. The footsteps were getting closer to the bedroom door. Honey, is that you? I called, but no answer. The footsteps got closer. Honey? I called out one last time as the bedroom door swung open. Thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed your daily dose of spooks. Don't forget I have created a community on Reddit for the Uncanny Inn podcast. You can find me on there or email me at uncannyin at gmail for a chance for your story to be featured on the show. I'd also love to see any creepy artwork you might have lying around. To lock in your reservations for Room 7, give us a follow to ensure that you won't miss a single episode. Until next time.